0: Hello and welcome to another amazing episode of The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews from animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I am super stoked for today's interview. You guys are going to love it. But first off, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has written such a wonderful review of the podcast. I really appreciate all your kind words and For a couple of days, the podcast was in the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, which was absolutely amazing. It was really cool to be able to see the show listed with all the other new shows that have come out. So thank you all for supporting the show. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for all of your retreats and really kind comments in Twitter. Thank you all for your emails. It is much appreciated. I'm really glad that the show is helping you out and that you're getting to hear people that are working on know, amazing and cool projects. And for those of you out there who are still students, I hope that it's being a really good resource for you, that it's providing a lot of really excellent information. And speaking of information, oh my goodness, April is the month for animation with a capital A. There are so many exciting things happening, you guys. I can't wait to tell you about all of them. So first off, Monday, April 4th, is Asifah Hollywood's membership meeting. If you are not a member, sign up today and become a member. It starts at 6.30. There's a free dinner. There's entertainment. And then they're going to be talking about different issues going on with Asifah Hollywood. You guys should really sign up for this place. They are a really cool organization. They do a lot of really fun screenings. Uh, One of my friends recently had the opportunity to see the finale of Star Wars Rebels, over at Walt Disney Studios. I mean, you really can't top something like that. So definitely check out their website, asifahollywood.org. And then second thing that's happening that is really cool is Women in Animation is going to have a panel featuring various showrunners in the industry. And it's on Wednesday, April 6th. Doors open at 6.30, the panel is 7.00. If you're a member of Women in Animation, it's free. If you're not a member, it's only $15. And let me tell you, that $15 will give you the opportunity to hear people like Craig Bartlett, who is the creator of Hey Arnold, Dinosaur Train, and Ready Jet Go, Chris Nee, who created Doc McStuffins and Vampirina, Christopher Savino, who is the creator of The Loud House, which is going to be premiering on Nickelodeon on May 2nd, Nadine Vanderveld who co-created, uh, or not co-created, but who created Fresh Beat Band of Spies and Little Charmers. And the moderator is Holly Huckins of Sheriff Callie's Wild West and Higley Town Heroes. Guys, this is amazing. If you want to create a show, if you want to know what it takes to make a show, if you want to know what it's like to have a pitch, if you want to know what it's like to work at a network, this is the panel for you. So definitely check that out. But wait, there's more. This one I'm super excited about as well. So the New Roads School, which is located in Santa Monica is having the New Roads School Film Festival on Saturday, April 16th. Doors open at 1:15 p.m. There's going to be a reception and the event is from 1:30 to 3:45 and the panelists on this are just astounding. You've got Paul Briggs, who is the head of story for Big Hero 6 and Frozen. You have Chris Miller, who is the director for Puss in Boots, the upcoming Puss in Boots 2, and who wrote Shrek 1, 2, and 3. You have Chris Knee again, so you get to see her again, which is fantastic. You know, the creator and writer of Doc McStuffins. You have Trey Parker, the co-creator of South Park, guys. You have Dan Povenmire, the co-creator of Phineas and Ferb. You have Eric Robles, who is the writer, producer, and character designer for Fanboy and Chum Chum. And you have Alika Theophilopoulos. Forgive me, ma'am, if I have pronounced your last name wrong, but you are amazing. She was the writer, storyboard artist for Phineas & Ferb, Star vs. The Forces of Evil, and Mickey Mouse. And there's also going to be acting for film guests. Guys, this is going to be a fantastic panel, and it's only $5. It is $5. It is worth it if you don't live in California. It is worth it to come down to California for the weekend of April 16th and go and check out these people. I mean, this is going to be an amazing panel. And not only is that happening, but on the same day over at Cal State Fullerton, they are doing a retrospective on Nickelodeon. Happy, happy, joy, joy, art and artifacts from 25 years of creator-driven cartoons. There's going to be a creator's talk from 2 to 3 p.m. And then there's a public reception from 4 to 8 p.m. And this event is free. And it's also on Saturday, April 16th. And not only that, but the same day, guys, is the CTN road trip. And that's going to be on Saturday, April 16th, and Sunday, April 17th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Now, what is the road trip? It's kind of like outdoor mini CTN. There's going to be exhibits of artists all over downtown Burbank. You'll get to talk to artists. You get to buy their books, their posters, their postcards, their artwork, all their stuff. It's a lot of fun. So like I said, if you don't live in Southern California, come down to Southern California the weekend of April 16th and 17th. You'll get to hear amazing speakers. Hey, if you time everything out correctly and you have you know, a really good Garmin or Google Maps, you can just go to all three events. You really should. It's going to be Absolutely fabulous. So, I am super stoked about all of those events. And as I said earlier, I'm really excited for this interview because today I am bringing you Eric Serta. Eric Serta is a wonderful animator. In fact, we had such a great conversation that I split it into two parts. So, today you're going to hear part one, which is where Eric's going to be talking about how he decided to become an animator how he worked his way up from going to school and then being a waiter and knocking on doors and going to studios with his reel and cold calling people to working in television animation. And then next week for part two, you're going to get to hear all about how he transitioned from working in television to working in mobile games and doing various commercial shorts and becoming a freelancer. So you guys are absolutely going to love it. Eric was a wonderful guest. He's very giving of his time. So without further ado, I present episode six, part one of the Eric Cerda interview. So my guest today is Eric Cerda. He is a professional animator and some of his work includes working on Adult Swim's Squidbillies and Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the Emmy award-winning PBS show Word Girl, one of my personal favorites, He's also been an animator for Disney Interactive, where he worked on games such as Disney Words of Wonder and Disney Solitaire. He worked on Epcot's Food and Wine Festival for 2015, which were some television spots directed by legendary Disney animator Eric Goldberg of Aladdin fame. And most recently, he was a freelance animator for DreamWorks Animation. Eric Serta,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Very excited to have you here. It's very, very cool. So I always like to start off by asking people, you know, where they're from, where they got their start. So where are you from?
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm a Southern boy at heart and uh, actually born and raised. Uh, I am from South Carolina, Aiken, South Carolina. It's a small town, historic small town, a horse community. And uh, it was a Great little place. It's a town roughly of 30,000 people at this point. A little close to the Savannah River, so we're really close to the Georgia-South Carolina border. So the the Masters Golf Tournament was a big thing growing up. That was always like a highlight of the year. But uh, yeah, I I grew up in South Carolina, and uh, I ended up going to school. It started in South Carolina at the University of South Carolina Aiken campus, And then I ended up transferring to the Savannah College of Art and Design to pursue a degree in animation. Excellent. And what was it that led you to want to be an animator? Well, as a kid, as soon as I was able to hold a pen or a pencil, I was just drawing. And my parents sort of knew... my original sketches that like well we've got a little artist here because you know uh, some kids drawings would be like lines and squiggles and my lines actually had form and, and some structure to it and they could tell without guessing what if it was a cat or a pig or a cow and you know whatever I was drawing and as a kid I didn't quite know what I wanted to do I just knew I loved to draw but I always sort of saw my drawings in motion. Like I just, and I was always exasperated as a child. Like why, why can't I express what I want to express? Like I, I I'm drawing these, these little animals and they're, they were never standing. They're always moving or something. They're always doing something. And I was just always like frustrated because I didn't know how to make them move or like, you know, really do what I was trying to, to express. And I guess <laughs> as a, probably like a five-year-old, I think I was about five or six years old, I started learning about what an animator was. Like, that was the type of artist that could actually do the things that I wanted to do that I couldn't put words to was to make my drawings move, to come to life, to be, because they were never still in my head, and, and I wanted them to express and to be. So I thought that was interesting, but it wasn't until I saw the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit that I really just knew. I think I just knew when I saw that movie that actually I knew when I saw the first television trailer that I have got to be an animator that's it that's it just was clear as day as a little a little kid I just knew that I had to become an animator no matter what I had to do you know it was that's what I wanted to be like you know other kids could be you know race car drivers and policemen and firemen and doctors I wanted to be an animator that's excellent (laughs) so I set my life's course towards there
0: that is really cool and I know that movie's inspired a lot of people. I remember seeing that movie in the theater and just seeing the animated characters interacting with the live action characters and as a kid you're like, <laughs> how did they do this? This is
1: amazing. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know it's was, it was truly I mean that that had I think that had something to do with it just being able to be a real person in real life and interact actually interacting with these characters who were so wonderfully animated, obviously, and just, it just the, the movie itself was just so well done and so inspiring. But yeah, I think uh, just the the quality and, and the, the characters and, you know, how the character came through and the draw, everything just, just forced me into one or not forced me, but just, I, I just knew, I knew I had to be an animator, just had to be an animator. That's what it was. That was my life's goal when I saw that.
0: So what led you to go to SCAD? What was it that made you decide that is the school for me?
1: Well, um, so when I was in high school, I started, obviously, that's when everybody starts looking at colleges. Um, I was, truth be told, I was coming from South Carolina in a small town that that definitely influenced my, my development and, and how far I wanted to go away from home, right? I was always used to being really close to family. I have a very close family, very tight-knit group. I love them to death. And the thought of going to college Across the country, like in California or Texas or wherever, Florida even, or New York was, was scary. So I started looking at colleges that were well known and close by, with at least on the eastern seaboard. So SCAD was definitely one of the colleges I looked at. Ringling was another school I was looking at. I did briefly, I know I said I didn't want to get really far away, but as far as the Eastern Seaboard, I did also look at RISD and Pratt as two other schools that I was interested in. And actually, you know, if I ever had the courage, I kind of looked at Sheridan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, after touring, after look, researching the schools and actually getting to tour, Ringling and SCAD, I just fell in love with SCAD. I fell in love with the, the downtown district. I fell in love with architecture. It was a beach town. That was another thing. I th- you know, and I love the ocean. Being from South Carolina, where the the ocean is like a two, a little over a two and a half hour drive, two hour drive. Like I grew up at the beach, honestly. You know, so like the, having that sort of connection and and that that geographical feature that close to me is really important. So I decided to to go after SCAD hardcore. I had to submit, you know, obviously some portfolio pieces and whatnot, but it, uh, at the end of the day, I think SCAD was a good choice for me. It had a lot of the features that I would want for my college town, my college, and uh, it had a lot of good, you know, it was, it was a brand name, and I knew that if I wanted to really make it out there, that I would have a leg up. Not necessarily the most important thing, but I would have a leg up if I went to a school that also had a, a brand name following, right? so that also had a gibbet to do with going to SCAD. And they accepted me. And I was, I was thrilled. That was like probably one of the craziest, most fun days of my life. You get I this big package in the mail. They're like, I'm in,
0: <laughs> I'm good. All right, let's go.
1: Pounding heart, pounding heart, checking my pulse, like I'm blue in the face. And you know, it, it was a crazy. So you're in
0: school, you're taking classes, you're doing well. What were some things that were really challenging that you weren't Quite that you thought you knew, but once you got into school realized, oh, this is a whole other level here?
1: So interestingly enough, uh, a lot of it actually, a lot of it was challenging because I grew up, my, my family, unfortunately, we were working class, so we didn't have a lot of means. So that meant that as a budding animator, I didn't have access to a lot of the same things that other students might have had access to. So like, I never got to use a 16 millimeter camera cameras in general. Like if it wasn't, you know, the point and shoot or a regular 35 millimeter, I didn't have access to actually create my own animation. My only animation experience up until college had been making uh, little flip books. I would just buy like little cheap white unlined paper and make my own flip books. And I went to the library to learn how to make flip books. And had to start looking at arcs and timing and things like that. So when I got to college, it was kind of a it was a lot of technology to suddenly learn. I had to learn how to use Adobe Premiere out of nowhere, and everyone else seemed to know how to use it already. QuickTime Player, all these things. Like, I mean, I wasn't like computer illiterate, but the tools for animation were every. I just had to learn everything immediately, and and I felt like I didn't have a leg up. And of course, it was Scad, and everyone was really good around me. So. It was, it was hard. It was really hard. Also, I was so, I was so happy to be at SCAD and happy to have made it that I wasn't prepared for when I had one of my first real animation classes, real 2D, you know, production classes with a professor, the late, unfortunately, the late professor, Larry Laria. And he... I was so thrilled to have this class because here I was with this man. I was really going to start actually 2D animating and getting some real feedback on real animation desks, real animation paper, real animation pencils, and he failed oh. me. Oh, he failed me hard. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I it was it was the bouncing ball animation, which you know, I I at the time I, I just I think it was because I didn't take it seriously enough. You know, I I, I thought it was good. I, I spent a lot of time on. It. I actually redid it three times, but. I thought I did good, but it was obvious that I hadn't done it good enough and he failed me. It, it was like just barely a mm-hmm. D, barely, barely maybe a D, but it was it might as well have been just dripping with blood. And I was shocked. But I was also yeah. angry. I was so angry about that. And so that was shocking. That knocked me off my uh my high horse. But it also sort of lit a new fire in me. I think that that failing grade because it uh, it really made me number one. How much do I want this? Right? Like, you, you, there comes a point. I think with everybody when you're in college, like, do you really want yeah. that degree you're going after? Do is this really yeah. your right, your life's right choice? And it sort of lit that fire for me to say, like, you know what? I do actually. I really do. I'm hungry. I'm starving for this, and and I will do whatever it takes. So I did, and I I redid that animation. I stayed up all night. I redid it another few times. I turned it in, I passed. I actually got an A and Larry Laurie really liked it. He came back to me later and, you know, congratulated me for working so hard, perfecting my ball balance. And it's so important as an animator to to understand that because it reflects all 12 principles of animation. And, you know, without that, I, I would have been lost, you know? So I think that's uh-huh. sort of like shattering of <laughs> my, my, my ego and then like building me back up with a stronger foundation was something I was hardly prepared for going into college, but was a very instrumental and a very important time.
0: that I, had. I completely understand where you're coming from with that, because that very similar situation happened to me in art school. And I think that happens to everyone, especially if you go in. And like for me growing up, I didn't know any other kids that liked to draw. So I just figured I'm the art kid. So then you go to college and realize, oh, you're surrounded by thousands of other kids who were that kid. In high school or in junior college mm-hmm. or whatnot, mm-hmm. and so it's like a shock to your system.
1: Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that like, and I, I talked, I, you know, and we'll probably touch on this little later in the the um, interview, but it's definitely one of those things where you do you you probably grow up in 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 life or your uh, high school or whatever, and you are like the if not the only art mm-hmm. kid, one of a very select few of art kids, and you're probably really good, and everyone just like just accolades and the throwing roses at you and everything's so great. And you're just like, I am so awesome. I can just draw and I can do all this stuff. And then you're out right, You get to college where people have, are now very serious about what they're doing. And they can either mm-hmm. a out you out, draw you out, whatever. And you just like, yeah. I'm worthless. Like, why am I here? And I think we all go through that. Like the whole, like, why am I here? I don't deserve this. Like everyone is so much better than me you know and it's 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 just fun it's like every Mm is but you get through it you know you you swallow your pride check your ego at the door because you're gonna have to to get through college that is so true
0: and you're right too because I knew a lot of people that they already knew how to animate they had already made animated films they already knew photoshop Mm -hmm. they already knew after effects to the point where I met people and I remember just telling them you don't need to be in school you could just go out and work why are you even here and they're (laughs) like but I want to learn more and I thought oh wow okay (laughs) I need to be in lab more often. I need to work a little bit harder here. This is this is a different <laughs> level of of skill and expertise. I'm cu- I'm curious exactly. too because you were talking about yeah. 2D animation and I've had a lot of talks with other people about why they decided to go into 2D or why they decided not to do 2D and they went to 3D instead or storyboarding knowing that the 2D industry is changing in the US. What made you decide, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I want to pursue 2D animation anyway.
1: Well, so when, when I was in college, that, that was a very, that was a very hard time because that before I graduated, I graduated in 2004, December of 2004. Um, right before that, like 2003, I think it was 2003. Um, that's when it was changing, right? That's when Disney was closing all of their studios worldwide. That's when the 2D is dead, you know, claimers were going out everywhere and I was caught in the middle of all that. I was, I was just, I remember even the day I heard that Disney was closing all the studios. I like, I just left. I didn't go a class that day. I just went back to my apartment. I just sat there. I was like, I am mm-hmm. so screwed right now. I don't know what is going on. Like I've just spent all this money to go to college for a degree that may not be worth anything anymore. What's happening. And it, t- it took some sort of grieving. I think a lot of people were probably grieving that day, but, um, I decided that you know what, it's I think two D and drawing and the principles as Larry had instilled in me, my Larry Larry professor the Larry Laria, my professor, these are so important. Two D animation is still is still relevant. No matter what happens, it's going to still be relevant in some way some fashion, some way. So I just thought that, you know what, to hell with it. I'm gonna keep going after this degree. I will, however, start taking more 3D classes. I did make that decision to to sort of like you know expose myself to the production Mm -hmm. pipeline of 3D animation, as far as like modeling, lighting, rigging, um, and at least doing some character animation in 3D. But I decided to keep my 2D degree, and that's that's you know I think it's it served me well, but it was a tough choice. It was a tough choice. But like I said, you know, as a kid, that that fire was always for drawing for for having a more hands-on feel with my characters, you know, when you're when you're drawing when you're drawing that expression, particularly the expressions. I'm just so I love expressions. I love drawing eyebrows and eyes and I think, you know, people that know me that I've worked with professionally and 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 then just in school, they've always said, "Eric, you're just, you just you really are about expressions," you know. When you're drawing that, like there's just no other feeling like it. I mean, it's it's different than pulling points with a mouse in Maya or Blender. There's something so almost like achingly painful when you're drawing. Like you can feel, you can really feel, because that line is going through your arm, through your fingers, it just flowing right out of you. And I think it's something that I would have missed had I just gone a strictly 3D route. So I wanted to keep the child in me that wanted to be an animator alive, and I decided to just keep going after 2D. With the caveat that I would also be open to new technology, I would have to be to be successful in my career. I'd have to learn some 3D. I'd probably have to learn a little, little bit of After Effects, puppet-style animation. And I'd always had to like be on the lookout for trends and, and changes in the marketplace.
0: That's really, really sound advice. You know, it's like stick with what you love, you know, and keep at it, but just be open to what is changing because the industry does change and it changes really fast. And there's new technology and updates all the time so sounds like you took you know a really wise route Mm -hmm. for your career just making sure that I'm going to do what I love but I'm also (laughs) going to know everything else there is to know about it so I can stay employed
1: it was probably one of the most adult decisions I'd ever made at the time you know I was I was young and I didn't you know I was fresh I was green and it was a little did I know, you know, (laughs) had the me, had I could, had I could know now, you know, what I, or (laughs) whatever, I I don't know what I'm trying to say, but, you know, like, I, I just wish I had known more, but I think that was a great decision at the time. Obviously it's helped me, you know, a lot in my life, but it was very adult. And I think it's important to be able to stick by your guns, you know, like follow your gut. Uh, and that's, what I've done a lot in my life and my career is just followed my gut, you know, you know, take the time to really consider in a quiet place and calm down after all the, you know, excitement or anger or frustration has died away. You can sit there in a calm space and you can consider what you're doing with your life and you know, what new things are thrown at you, like a change in the marketplace, a change in technology, mm-hmm. Disney firing all their animators, whatever you have to be able to like consider and stick by your gut You know, do what is your passion and what moves you. And that's what I did. My passion was 2D. My passion was going to be in drawing. And I've made it work in a variety of different projects that I've worked on different studios. I'm not drawing on paper anymore, so to speak, but I am drawing and drawing is still very much a part of my job in everyday life.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So you're in school, you have that realization, you take these other classes, you graduate and then was it an immediate once you graduated, then you got your first job, or was there like a struggle period? How, how was the in between time?
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> no, that was a horrible, horrible time. <laughs> that was um, so I, you know, I so I've stuck by my guns and I'm damn it, you know, full you know, torpedoes, full steam ahead. I'm going to be a 2D animator. Well, no, I did not get a job immediately. I stayed in Savannah for maybe a month. And then I decided to, because I was starving and I was a college kid. I didn't want to work in Savannah anymore. I was like, well, I'm just going to move back home. You know, I'm going to to put my home base back home in South Carolina. And my parents, luckily they're wonderful people. They, you know, open arms. Yes. Come back. Of course, while you're job searching, please, you know? So I moved back home and I, to Aiken, South Carolina, and I started searching the internet, you know, started sending out Well, I had already started, but I was like, you know, sending out resumes and cover letters and DVDs and all that stuff of my reel. But even more ferociously, I was just, you know, looking everywhere all over the United States, Los Angeles, New York, Texas, Florida, like I was looking, Boston, you know, I was looking all over the place for studios that could hire me. And I wasn't targeting feature film. I mean, yes, of course, I think we all like send stuff to Disney or, you know, DreamWorks or whatever. But in addition to that, I was looking at like television studios places that were doing like commercials i hadn't looked at games at the time games was kind of later in my career but it was mainly like television and movies commercials anything with a narrative i wanted to do narrative character animation and i would cold call actually (laughs) people don't do that anymore but back in the day i was actually cold calling and because atlanta georgia had, you know, Cartoon Network, they had Turner Studios, they had Adult Swim, a couple of other places. I decided, you know what, to hell with this. I'm going to start visiting Atlanta on the weekends. Mm-hmm. It was like a three and a half hour, three hour drive. And I would just like drive up there and like, just, I would literally like, <laughs> not in a suit, but I was dressed nicely. I'd have my, you know, DVDs and my my business cards and my cover letter. And Wow! I would just like nervously walk in, you know, like, have a drop. No, it wasn't like that. But I would definitely like cold call, cold walk in, talk, like kind of like sweet talk, the receptionist or, you know, or, and just try to get to talk to people. And some people said, no, we're, we just don't do that. And some people did. And the studio that actually did take pity on me was a studio that it's, it's no longer at this point, but it, it was for a very long time. It was a radical axis in Atlanta, Georgia. And a guy named Craig Harton, the supervising animator at the time took pity on me. He, he took a look at myself and he liked it. He liked what he saw. There was a particular piece where I'd done some lip sync animation of a, a guy singing. He just loved it. He loved it, loved it. So, and when he asked me if I'd done this in flash, he's like, yes, I actually did this in flash. A 2d piece I'd done. He's like, Oh, this is perfect. Cool. Well, you know, thanks for coming in and shook my hand. That was it. And then here, and this was like in, Nov. this is, what was this? October. I think it was like October of 2004. And uh, I you know was getting really bummed out. This is months after I graduated and I'm just oh, kind of no. feeling like oh, I'm not gonna go anywhere I'm not gonna do anything. And finally I decided, you know what I what I'm sitting here in Aiken South Carolina I'm not gonna get a job in Aiken South Carolina. There is no animation to be had in Aiken South Carolina. And I knew I would need to ultimately move to a place. I had to move to where the market was. I needed to be where I could like instantly react to lunch meetings or, you know, interviews, whatever. So I decided like, you know what, I've got to move to Atlanta. I talked to my parents and, uh, you know, we, they helped me out some and we, they kind of helped me move to Atlanta and I got a job as a server waiting tables and, you know, doing what I'd done in Aiken, like sending out more reels, trying to talk to Radical Access, again, Turner, you know, and make, trying to make contacts and it wasn't until January a few months later of 2005 that Radical Axis contacted me because they were working on a new show and, uh, they liked my stuff. They wanted to see if I could come in again to talk to them. And, uh, I, I was like, Oh God, this is great. You know? So I did, I came back and we talked, they showed me and it was Squidbillies at the time. Squidbillies was in development and they were going to start, excuse me, on um, production work on Squidbillies. And, uh, they showed me the style. You know, we talked a little bit more. We talked, we looked at my reel again. They, they asked me where I was living. I was like, Oh, actually I live here now. And they're like, Oh, do you? <laughs> it's like, I could start today. <laughs> yeah. But, but they didn't say anything about that. And then, and then, you know, I, I, they basically shake my hands like, we'll let you know, you know, if there's anything coming up, you know, we like your reel. So just keep in touch, you know, and it was sort of like that, but it was still kind of really non-committal. But, a few weeks later, not even a month later, just a, it's like two weeks later or something. I'm driving to work, hating my life, hating my job. I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm a server still. I just graduated from college. I'm just never going to get anywhere. And Craig Harton calls me on the phone, and he's like, you know what? Hey, do you think we really liked you? So uh, we want to offer you a job. Do you think? Uh, do you think you could like come by the studio today so we could you know <laughs> discuss salary and everything? And I was like, yes! Oh my god! I was running. Seriously, I took the call and I was driving to my job. Like almost ran off the road, I was so excited on like the highway in like Atlanta, Georgia, and traffic, so of course, I take the job, I called my my server job and say, "I'm really sorry to do this, and this is not my style, but my career job just landed. and I've <laughs> I got
0: quit, to quit in right the now. Car.
1: sorry, <laughs> and I quit like on the spot. I just never do that, but I just quitted right on the spot on the highway and turned this car out and got down to radical axis, and you know they gave me. You know, I started at a pretty decent pay and, you know, I, I was, that's was my first job and I was going to be an animator on Squidbillies. And that's how the career started. But it started because I was, I was tenacious. You know, I, I, I didn't give up. I kept, um I kept cold calling. I mean, I know it's different now, but at the time, you know, I, I was, you know, I was polite, but I did, I did contact people. I reached out, I did a lot of research online, trying to find names, whatever I could do. And I moved myself there, I think, because sometimes you just have to go where the jobs are. And that's what I did. So. And That's how it started. So that was 2005, and and fe- February of 2005 started. So, it's great.
0: That is great. I love it. I love that you just in the car. You're like, all right, life is calling. Goodbye, old job, and just. <laughs> <you know. laughs> but it's also really good, yeah, and I'm I'm glad basically. that you you touched on yeah. this that. You know, you didn't get a job right out of school, and the vast majority of people don't get jobs right out of school. And I think the issue that a lot of students have, and just a lot of people that I've met, you know, over the years, is that you can't quit. You know, a lot of people, they think when they first get out of school, you know, I'm going to be the one to get the job right out of school. And they don't, and they get really discouraged. And some people just completely quit right then and there. And I'm really glad that you said, no, you didn't quit you know, you did what you needed to do. You moved back home, you applied for jobs, you went to Atlanta, you applied for jobs, realized you needed to be somewhere where there were jobs. You moved to Atlanta, you got a job that, you know, by your own admission, you didn't like, but you did it because you needed to do it and just kept working on it. And that's just really good for people to know that you just need to just keep going and don't quit, but also put yourself in a place where you're ready to take the job when you're able to get a job.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really important. You know, you you really do because animation is such a it's such a small industry and it's such a fun industry. And there's, there's a lot of people that want to do it. And I think the, because it's hard to get in, that sort of naturally culls the 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 amount of people that want to get in and actually end up getting in. You really have to want it. Like I said, you know, earlier with uh, the Larry Laria incident and him failing me, like that lit a fire in me that just like I said, like I was starving for this. Like I literally was starving to do this. And that lasted even after I um left college. And I think that's what helped me to persevere to just say, like, you know what? It maybe it'll take a while, you know, maybe it'll take longer than I'm comfortably admitting to myself it'll take. But if I want to get in this, and I do, I'll do whatever it takes to get in, you know, I'll call whoever I'll move, whoever, I'll fly wherever. I mean, I even flew out to Los Angeles just to try to like cold call with some of those studios before radical access happened. And uh, it, you know, you, you just do, but it, I think if you're tenacious enough and you, and of course, if you have something, you know, that's good, it's possible. It really is possible. And at the very, very least with all of this, you're making connections, you're getting names and they may, not have something for you right away, but they'll remember you, you know, and as long as you're nice and you're genuine, it could happen. Who knows? They may call you, you know, a month from now, a week from now, an hour from now. So
0: <laughs> You never know. So you're at that first job. And was that just a complete shock working there versus being at school? Or since you'd been working so hard to get in, was it more of a smooth transition getting up to speed?
1: It was, well, it was interesting because I I would say, yes, it was another shock because Radical Axis at the time when I joined, I think I was, gosh, it was a small studio. It was still very, very small. There were only a handful of other animators there and most of them were contract. I, I was hired on as, a, as an hourly full-time employee, but most of the other guys were, were contract freelancers and it was extremely laid back because of the nature of the studio, what they produce. They produce commercials, but a lot of their stuff was, was producing at that point. You know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force was they were that was what they did most of. Squid is another adult swim show. It was a very laid back studio. I was expecting to have fun and I was expecting to, to be a little loose and, and kind of uh, informal, but I was not expecting the amount of informalness that I experienced at Radicalizes. It was extremely informal. To the point of being like almost like a college dorm room informal. It was just, you know, it was a fun, fun, crazy party of a time. But it, but in addition to that, the work was was serious because now I had, you know, Cartoon Network and Turner breathing down our throats to produce. And I'm like, okay, everything I learned, you know, I'm drawing on paper and I actually learned Flash. Should there be Flash? I learned how to use it effectively at Radical Axis. And luckily, um, I'm going to, a, a guy named Delete Animator uh, Sketch McQuinner was the guy that actually taught me Flash. So I owe him a lot for taking the time to really go through like symbol-based animation, proper rigging techniques for 2D uh, shows and commercials. And then Craig Harton, the supervising animator at the studio, for just give me the patience. You know, I think they saw something in me that they wanted to develop and to keep. So they allowed me the time to really learn. So I learned Flash there. That was a struggle. (laughs) But it it was a great it was a great experience. Um, but it was definitely not something where I could just slide right in. You know, it, it, uh, there's a lot of tenseness because like at that point, like I knew like, Oh my God, they hired me. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not good enough. Like there's everyone so much better. I don't know anything. So it's (laughs)
0: It's like, it's like, do they, do they know? Maybe they don't know. Maybe if I just keep my head down, they won't know.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. So you just kind of try to fly under the radar, even though you're not really flying under any kind of radar that you try to. So it's uh it was difficult, but in a good way. I learned a lot and um you know, it it was exciting because at this point I was actually I was actually an animator. Like I could put on my resume, I am an animator. And when I got my first, you know, we were working on Squidways, and so I got to see that first show of the first thing I ever worked on like Air that was like the most mind boggling thing. It didn't seem real. Like, no, seeing my animation, knowing this is being seen by millions, my name in the credits and lights, having my first IMDB credit like that, just I just knew it was like, Eric, Serta, you have made it. You have officially started your career and you, you did you, you did good. And it's just it was like the, the craziest, craziest, mm-hmm. craziest thing. Oh, so a fun little note. When I got the job at Radical Access uh, before I, because I had I, driven home first before I went to the studio that day, they told me to come in. I called essentially everyone very quickly in my phone list. And, and we, we, and then later that night, I basically called everyone I knew. So I had like a $250 cell phone bill. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> because because this is back when you know your minutes actually counted right so the minutes counted against you and i'd like just blew that phone up <laughs> but it was worth it because i had to tell everyone everyone was screaming i'm screaming i'm just hoarse um, at the end of the day it was probably the best time of my life for the, the greatest days ever it was my first job
0: that is so cool it's like just want you to know i did it i made it i'm doing it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was the best it was the best
0: Excellent. So, and you've done a lot of great things since then, and a lot of them have been freelance. And I want to know if you could talk about that too, like some of the differences between, you know, freelance and being, you know, full-time on staff. And what are some of the cool things about that and some of the
1: challenges about that? Sure. So I think one of the biggest things, the one of the biggest differences between freelance and working full-time at a studio is uh, your time and it, Management at a studio, you generally, even though a lot of my career, I'd been sort of like a more senior level animator or had like leadership responsibilities. When you're a freelancer, suddenly you don't have a manager anymore. You are the manager. You you are the director, the producer, the animator, the cleanup person. You know, the, the caterer. You're you're all of that, and it's it's tough to to manage that sort of like that time. Because when when you're looking for jobs and you're you're giving a quote, people want to know how long, like, how long is it going to take to do this? How expensive is this going to be? And both of those things are things you don't have to worry about when you're full time at a studio, you know, like the production schedule, like you can give a random quote, maybe it'll be okay. You know, your director will be, you know, your producer will probably not kill you if you go over. Things are a little more lenient. But when you're a freelancer, it's like, you know, your word is law. And if you tell someone it's going to take two weeks to do, damn, it's going to take two weeks. And if it takes anything over, well, that means you're staying up 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get it done. And um, you're losing money because you've quoted this price. And if, you, if you're if you not smart enough or you don't charge enough, you're kind of screwed. So it's a very different ball game. And it took me a while to really learn how to, number one, value my work enough to be able to charge for it. You know, to believe in the number that I would quote, uh, and how to find those numbers too. Like how to research what the going rates were for X project, this style, in this market, in this city. Also, scheduling took a while. Like how to like judge myself. Like how fast of an animator am I? How much do I understand the project that I'm going to be working on to be able to gauge this time that's going to take? And can I stand up for myself as a producer slash manager director? When the client needs something or a vision, whatever, can I like stand up for myself and I get ran over flat? You know, that took, all that took like a long time to sort of, well, not a long time, but it, it took, it took a lot of work to be able to, to understand that and to get enough experience in that. When you're in a studio environment, it's different. Cause like I said, you don't, uh, your scheduling abilities are important and being able to, to gauge how quick you are at your work is, is good, but it's like, you're not, you're still going to eat <laughs> if you get it wrong if you're in a studio environment but as far as like advancing your career like if you want to become a lead or something or you know you' you have to be able to understand that stuff too so it's, there are a lot of similarities but i think it's a, it's a little more cutthroat to the 3d or excuse me the uh, freelance world but it's enjoyable
0: that is really good i'm glad to hear it and it's it's good to know because i think a lot of people are kind of scared sometimes to take that plunge like they think oh freelance that would be really exciting but How do people go about doing that? Like, did you have mentors that helped you with that, or did you read a lot of books, or
1: just talk to other freelancers that you knew? No, it's interesting. Uh, It's interesting how I got into that. I I think um, I had not when I was at Radical Axis towards the very end, and I, I, I don't, I don't plan on like talking very ill in the studio, but I will say that towards the very end of my time at Radical Axis, I had become, I had become just really frustrated with things for a while and I I think it you know I knew that it was probably time for me to go but I didn't know where I wanted to go I didn't know if I wanted to try Turner I didn't know you know what I was going to do but I knew I needed to get out because I felt like I just was just you know I wasn't learning anything new anymore I was frustrated all the time and it was time to do something new. So I started thinking, well, you know, I, I had worked with other contractors at the studio and they seemed to love what they did. They seemed to like love their freedom, you know, working their, you know, ju- making their own hours, their own weeks, or, you know, they can vacation wherever they want. I thought, that sounds sexy. I want to do that. So I did. So I quit Radical Axis um, because I had, I had uh, started looking on um, uh, LinkedIn, was popular at the time. So I'm so still kind of brand new, but I found a, a freelance gig on LinkedIn. That I had sort of pursued, and they decided they wanted to run with me because they liked my work. So I had had a little gig to start on. So it was like, okay, I'm out, you know. And I I I quit Radical Axis, of course, with notice. that they not just like up and quit. But I gave them, I resigned. I gave them a two week notice and resigned. And then started my freelance gig. And it was it was enjoyable. It was fun. They they uh, they actually gave me a great rate. They they suggested a rate for me, which is kind of funny because I I said I'm not going to say the numbers, but I said a number. And it was too. It was too low. Like, oh no, no, no we're, we'll pay you this. It's like, oh, okay, that's good.
0: <laughs> that, that's very kind of them that they weren't like, ooh, we're gonna get him for cheap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was very, very kind of them. Um, but because mm-hmm. they, they, I think that to their credit, they didn't want to be like that studio that just like exploited people. So they were like, it was Allied Pixel. I can say that, but they were they were really great, and uh, they. It just, it was nice to get that number because, like at that point, I, I was able to sort of get a gauge of like what rates were. You know, my first little piece of experience and information. But it was, it was hard that first time. Uh, for a year and a half, I I did freelance work and I didn't. I learned at the end of that that I didn't charge enough. <laughs> I had never fi- I had never done the, the the formulas to discover like what I wanted to do as a salary. You know, taking out vacation time. Federal taxes, which I learned, you know, as a self-employed individual, are a hell of a lot higher than your normal, you know, freelance or your normal, you know, your normal uh, taxes. Also, healthcare was much more expensive. There were a lot of things I didn't consider, but at the same time, it was amazing calling the shots for myself. It was amazing, sort of like deciding what I wanted to work on, and I could start to, to to develop a different reel than I was developing a radical a more nuanced real i was you know look working in styles i'd never done before so i think that was uh, very beneficial to my development as not only an animator but um as an artist and as uh, sort of a leader right like it, i think it helped push me to be a better like to believe in myself that i could really do this it, you know it helped me to be more confident oh my god my confidence level really rose because before I was a really, I was kind of a nervous, nervous artist type. And uh, I think going freelance really pushed me out of my shell and it, it helped me to see that I can do this even when it's tough. I can do, I can still do this and go after things. It was great. It definitely know. informed my later decisions and how I would uh, go through my career. So I loved it. I love freelance and I, I, am freelancing, right now and I just I just love the freedom and the ability to to, you know work for myself call the shots and uh amass some cool work and work with some cool people like Eric Goldberg oh my god (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and we'll we'll get into that because I want to hear that story because he's he is amazing I've gotten this you know at CTN you know he's done demo demonstrations and it's just like You're just watching in awe, just just seeing the masterwork. So, But I want to go back, too, and talk about Soup to Nuts and Word Girl, because that is an amazing show, Emmy Award winning, and you guys did a great job on that. So what led you to move and work on that show?
1: Well, so luckily I didn't have to move for that show. That's the interesting thing. So I I had, at at Radical Axis... Just to backtrack really quick, Radical Axis was a, was a hotbed for my animation career. Like it, it just like it's it it did so much for my career because number one, it it just it, it pushed me to believe in myself. It pushed me out to freelance. It, it did a lot of things for me, but it also gave me a wonderful network of artists and animators and and producers that I'm still in touch with. Some of my best friends that I just love them all to death. But some of them had moved to. Boston to work for Soup and nuts. And it was through those connections, having worked with some of them at Atlanta that they reached out to me when I they knew I was freelancing because I needed some additional hands on the show. So I was able to living in Atlanta, still work for soups and nuts remotely as a freelance animator. And it was, it was great. It, you know, like working remotely was kind of sucked a little bit because I didn't get to be part of like, you know, their team meetings, their art reviews. I was largely a little bit in the dark. However, you know, my phone calls with the friends that I'd worked with at Radical that were now at uh, Soup to Nuts, that was always a pleasure and and, Mm -hmm. and sort of having a different relationship now. Like we're not, we're like one of them was my boss, you know, it was just, it was wonderful. It was awesome. I learned a lot from her, but it was a great show. Uh, I think they were really creative. They really wanted to push the envelope, particularly the Atlanta uh, animators that went to Boston. They sort of helped change sort of the production pipeline. Um, They definitely changed the way things were rigged. And it was a fun show. I think it was nice because they were really open to animation feedback or, or notes that I would have. Like, well, what if, what if, you know, Word Girl did this? Or what if I, you know, what if I changed this, this you know, motion or this, like, what, maybe this would be funnier. Like, they were open to that. They did have storyboard artists that, that largely called the shots. However, they weren't, like, casting stone, you know. like Things were a little bit more malleable there. But I thought that, I thought it was just... <laughs> it was kind of a ridiculous show, right? I mean, it's just a funny show. The premise of the show and all the, the the, the enemies, the bad guys they are just, they're great characters. And, and I remember just being blown away by what the animators had done before me and trying to, to, to keep that style and those characters alive through the stuff that I did. So that way we would, you know, the, the legacy was kept. That was a big responsibility on me and a little stressful to, you know, being, uh, Still kind of new in my career to know that, you know, you must honor the character, keep the character on style and model. You know, these things were really important. But it was a great show. I thought that uh, the short time that I worked on it was was probably some of the most fun times that i had had since Radical. And especially because I just thought that uh, the characters, the design, like drawing them was so nice. Oh, they felt so good to draw. I just love the lines. And that concludes part one
0: of the interview with Eric Serda. Special thanks again to Eric for being such a wonderful guest on the show. I'm going to be leaving his information in the show notes so that you guys can check out his website as well as his LinkedIn profile and, you know, contact him and let him know how much you appreciate him being a guest on the show today. And also, I found out one other event. That's right. There's another event that's going to be going on. In SoCal, Women in Animation is going to be having a mixer on Thursday, April 7th in Culver City. So you can check out womeninanimation.org to find out all the whereabouts about that. But this event will be great because you don't have to be a member to go. You can just show up, have a drink, have a Sprite if you're not a big drinker, and just talk with people in the industry. And hopefully after that, that will convince you to sign up so that you can come to further events. So again, that's happening on Thursday, April 7th at 7pm. And as always, thank you all for supporting the show. If you'd like to support the show further, you can visit the website, which is www.theanimatedjourney.com, and you can click on the Donate button on the right-hand side of the website and donate via PayPal, Or if you would like to support us by supporting our sponsors, you can click on the banner links on the right-hand side. I've got one for Amazon.com, one for Audible.com, and also one for the web hosting site that I use to broadcast the podcast, which is Blueberry.com. So if you want to support that way, feel free to do so. Every little bit helps and brings back some money to the show so I can keep the lights on, keep everything up and running. So thank you again for supporting the show. And also, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram by going to at AnimJourney. That's A-N-I-M-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. And you can click on that and find out more about the show and upcoming guests. As always, you can also check us out on Facebook by going to Facebook.com slash The Animated Journey. And if you're interested in seeing what I've been up to, you can follow me on Twitter by going to at Sketchy Soul. I'm on Instagram at sketchy underscore soul on Tumblr at www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com and my portfolio site, which is www.sketchysoul.com. So again, thank you all for listening. I appreciate your support. And as always, go out there, make cool things, be encouraged, and have a great day, everybody.